You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Fool me, can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel here with you. Marcus Parks is on the plane right now to beautiful San Francisco. We're going to be doing Clusterfest this Friday, so he's probably doing a lot of work, research, and writing because that's what we force him to do at all times. So it is me, Ben Kissel, here with you for Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, and we have producer Travis Morningstar who might interject a time or two as well. Thanks for being here, Travis. Hello, yes. I'm slightly traumatized. I just saw a Dodge Charger plow yes. through a bodega next to my apartment. Yeah, no, this was the same bodega that we talked about on, uh, well, I guess a couple of weeks ago last on Tuesday's stream. last stream on the left, uh, <laughs> where you were shot at. And um, and now that's the same bodega that currently has a bullet lodged in it. Now it has a Dodge Charger lodged in the front window. And I'm just wondering, what witch did the owner piss off? It seems as if this is the most cursed bodega in the history of bodegas. And let's be honest, that's a pretty bad curse. I don't know, but a Dodge Charger going through a <laughs> deli at 10 a.m., there must be like a child-sized mound of bullets. Low oh in the passenger God. seat, buckled in, of course. I can't even imagine. He's like, I'm not even smoking weed. I'm just on K2, <laughs> which is now technically illegal as well, Good. as it should be. Good. Here in New York City, uh, de Blasio has stopped short of legalizing marijuana because he doesn't believe the uh, effects are positive enough for legalization, despite the fact that it would lead to immense amounts of criminal justice reform. It might um, diminish the hordes of individuals who are currently being held at places like Rikers Island in inhumane, uh, unethical ethical Eighth Amendment violation conditions, uh, but nonetheless, he has said that he doesn't want officers to arrest people for marijuana, but refuses to legalize it, which in other words means officers will continue to arrest whoever they want. I once saw a man on Spice jump through a Taco Bell window uh, in Alaska. That makes a lot of sense yeah. to me, though. He yeah, really yeah. wanted, yeah, he <laughs> he wanted went, to go to the bell. He went for it. I get it. I, I did a double take the other day. There's a new Taco Bell here on First Avenue between 15th and 14th, and uh, I saw the Taco Bell, and I did a double take. And uh, it was, it was, I, I felt as if I violated the Taco Bell with how <laughs> I aggressive I stared a, at it. I also did a double take. There's a new Taco yeah. Bell on my street, too. They're just popping up everywhere. I didn't, I'm not, I'm not interested <laughs> in it. I just, no, no. I was just like, a Taco Bell. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to thank everyone. Uh, I, we had a great week in Italy. And um, I just want to thank everyone for making that week possible. I did not look at how much I was spending there in Italy until the very last day of the trip. And it was it was a lot for love. <laughs> Cosmo here, who has a show, or Cena, who has a show here, uh, or was a part of uh, the brighter side here on a regular basis here in the last podcast. Now we got married to a wonderful woman named Cosmo. They got married in Lecce, and we just had a great vacation. Henry was there with Natalie. Of course, uh, Eddie was there as well with his girlfriend, Julie. I was there with Brooke. And every meal, I did not thank God. I thanked you, the listeners, because without you, uh, none of this is possible. So hail yourselves. We really appreciate you. And uh, I have to say, I missed speaking into this very microphone. So that was a wonderful experience. Italy, by the way, we talk about American politics here on this show. But if we had the time, I would love to get a, do a deep dive on them. The fascist party and the more progressive party, they both won. And now they were trying to form a coalition government. But believe it or not, it's not happening. <laughs> it is not a good thing what's going on in Italy uh, regarding their politics. 
When I first got back here, I was with my girlfriend. We went to a place called Brooklyn Star, uh, obviously here in Brooklyn. Wonderful place. It is closing on June 3rd, which is unbelievably devastating. This is a fantastic restaurant, great food, great service. Uh, but because of transportation with the L train shutting down, unbelievable uh, rent prices, uh, the wage increase, etc., it will be shutting down, which is absolutely devastating. But I had a chance there to interv- uh, to speak with a uh, a British fellow. He's a, he's a Londoner, and he is a very pro Trump supporter, massive Trump supporter. This guy, and he definitely lets you know it. But it was a great reminder of the two different worlds that we live in. This was a man who believes that Gina Haspel and the CIA in general only waterboarded a total of three people, which is absolutely (laughs) insane. Uh, That is completely untrue. But that's what he believes because that's the sort of uh, daily caller um, echo chamber that he lives in. That's where they just hear the news, the same news over and over and over again, spun until it becomes uh, the truth. He also uttered a sentence that I thought was truly unnerving and quite um, disappointing when it comes to him as a human being. He said that he would have rather had Vladimir Putin as president than Barack Obama, which is absolutely, completely, utterly insane. Vladimir Putin kills political adversaries at a whim. Uh, you go back to the Olympic Games held in Russia. He, uh, because of all of the, uh, because he was so scarred by uh, by chaos and by controversy and by doping and by every other uh, amount of uh, corruption, they were not allowed, the, the Russian athletes weren't even allowed to compete under their flag in the most recent Olympics because it was so bad. And then you take into account Vladimir Putin's civil rights record. It's abhorrent on every single level, whether it just be basically allowing for the mass extin- uh, extension of, of gay individuals uh, when it comes to women's rights. You name it, freedom of press, it's all completely out the window. And the fact that we have a U.S. citizen granted from the U.K. Uh, proclaiming, and you do hear this in far right-wing circles, proclaiming that he would have rather had Vladimir Putin than Barack Obama is another reminder that we are living in two different realities. And uh, because of that, we did have to have quite a conversation about how Vladimir Putin uh, is far worse than uh, Barack Obama could ever even imagine. But that's how far down the rabbit hole a lot of these folks have gone. And of course, we have just found out now that it was a Russian missile launcher that took down the plane that was flying over the Ukraine that killed well over 200 innocent people. It does seem now as if the Russians were complicit in that mass murder. So Vladimir Putin uh, is no hero whatsoever, and we're going to get into that in the context of Donald Trump when it comes to the firing of James Comey, when it comes to his uh, regrets regarding the hire of Jeff Sessions or the appointment of Jeff, uh, Jeff Sessions to be the attorney general. Donald Trump doing himself no favors when it comes to uh, when it comes to the idea that he is interrupting a a federal investigation or uh, trying to hinder a federal investigation. Of course, now we're sort of even moving away from the collusion uh, conversation and more going towards the obstruction conversation. So one way or another, uh, Donald Trump will him find himself in uh, continuing hot water. I want to go back just briefly here to Russia. There was a journalist who, in order to prove how violent Vladimir Putin is, how devastating uh It is to be a journalist in Russia. Uh, You put your life on the line with every single sentence that you utter, with every single word that you write. A journalist faked his own death in order to nab Putin's killers, the people who would inevitably killed him. This guy, he's an outspoken Kremlin critic. His name is Arkady Babchenko. Arkady Babchenko, and I'm sure I'm absolutely butchering that name. That's classic Kissel. I have to do it to stay on brand. He reportedly he was reportedly killed in a hail of bullets outside his, his Kiev apartment, but now he appeared to be alive and well at a press conference. Babchenko said, I'm still alive, he told a group of fellow reporters. He went on to say, I know that sickening feeling when you bury a colleague. I'm sorry you had to go through this, but there was no other way. He didn't even let his wife know that he was staging his own death. So you can imagine this really could backfire if she shows up and she has a new hunk by her arm. She really moves on quite quickly. 
that might have been bad, but evidently she was in a bit of mourning, and uh, so I guess that worked out for their relationship. Although I, I think he deserves a couple of punches in the shoulder. Uh, he was badly bleeding. Bobchenko was supposedly found by his wife at the entrance of their apartment building on Tuesday. I mean, this was a very elaborate, faked death. Uh, a better than Jim Jones could ever imagine. The reporter had several gunshot wounds in his back and died in an ambulance en route to the hospital. That's what the official. Uh, that's what the officials uh, said. Now, the elaborate ruse, uh, this aided investigators in identifying a Ukrainian citizen who allegedly was paid forty thousand dollars to organize and carry out the killing. So basically, this guy. I mean, this is like what's that movie with with uh, Michael Douglas? The game. Yeah. where they pretend like he's going to be killed the whole time and then it turns out to be a surprise birthday party. <laughs> this is like that level. That's a spoiler, by the way, but that came out in like 91. I'm so sick of people being like, don't spoil movies. It's like, well, you don't want to... Spartacus, also, I'll, I'll tell you how that ended, uh, if I saw it. I actually I don't, don't know. I don't know how that ended. I think he just ended... Uh, they were all Spartacus, right? They were all Spartacus, <laughs> yeah, at some point, and they all had great pecs. And, um, that was the plot twist? That was the plot twist. So that was a unbelievable situation that we had here where they were able to bust the people who were supposedly going to kill this journalist, but he one-upped them, faked his own death, and was able to, uh, I guess, supposedly, uh, possibly arrest these folks uh, for being murderers for hire. So that is just a little, another indication, another reminder of what a thug, a bully, and a horrible person of Vladimir Putin is. And of course, his ultimate goal to recreate the Soviet Union. He's now leader for life. He has uh, reinstalled the dictatorship uh, after, of course, Gorbachev. And that's his whole goal, and he will be there for a very long time, and he will continue to destabilize uh, the Middle East with his interactions uh, in Syria. And make no mistake, uh, the Russians have no desire to nation-build in Syria. They want to see it destabilized. Syria was a very uh, relevant uh, and strong adversary at times to the Russians be uh, before. So I just thought it was fascinating that we had a situation in a American bar where somebody had the audacity to say they would rather have Vladimir Putin than Barack Obama. Unbelievable. Um, all right. Well, let's move on here. Let's talk about this. There is one good thing uh, that Donald Trump actually did this week, and it was kind of under the radar because, of course, we're talking about Roseanne. We're talking about the obstruction of justice tweets. Donald Trump, by the way, tweeted just a couple of days ago that he said sorry he couldn't focus on the Russian collusion scandal anymore because he had to focus on North Korea and then immediately started focusing on the Russian collusion scandal because he has the attention span of the dog from the movie Up. But he did sign a bill. It's called the Right to Try Bill. And I'm actually in favor of this. If you are terminally ill, you don't have, there's no chance. Uh, before, it was just whatever drugs were approved by the FDA, those were the only options that you had. And now we have a situation where you can basically be a guinea pig. And again, you're, you're done. So whatever, your back is against the wall, you're willing to try whatever, and perhaps we could have a medical breakthrough because of it. Uh, the measure gives terminally ill patients the ability to seek drug treatments that haven't fully been approved by the FDA. More than 1 million Americans die from a terminal illness each year. And of course, this isn't mandatory by any stretch of the imagination. If you want to sign up for the program, then they are free to do so as opposed to now uh, where it is illegal. So I'm actually in favor of the right to try bill when it comes to last chance uh, drugs. This is a quote from Donald Trump. He says, and I'm not, I can't do it in a, in a crappy Trump accent. I apologize. I think we're going to have, uh, he says, I think we're going to have some big, of course, is there a quote where Donald Trump doesn't say the word big? I, I don't think that there is. I think we're going to I think we're going to have some big some of the big drug companies in 2 weeks and they're going to announce because of what we did they're going to announce voluntary massive drops in prices. Okay, so we can hope for the best on uh, that. Let's go back briefly here to North Korea. There is now a meeting going on with Mike Pompeo, a couple of other U.S. diplomats, meeting with some top officials in North Korea, uh, not in North Korea, of North Korea. And uh, perhaps there may still be a meeting in around mid-June. However, uh, Donald Trump, again, does not seem to have any indication of what is going to be discussed in that meeting, how many meetings will transpire. He was asked about that. He said there might be one meeting, there might be two meetings, there might be three meetings, there might be zero meetings. So there might be meetings or there might not be meetings. It's not an answer. Uh, and he still doesn't seem to have what, um, what's the end goal 
we don't know because Donald Trump doesn't know, and we won't know until uh, the actual meeting, if it ever does happen, what is finally discussed or what is finally settled upon uh, when it comes to uh, Donald Trump sitting down with Kim Jong-un in an attempt to create some peace on, uh, in North Korea and, of course, uh, in the Korean peninsula, peninsula in general. So that is where we are at when it comes to that. Very little news. We know for a fact the initial summit uh, was canceled, and now we will see where it goes from here. Speaking of summits, the New York Post today, uh, going back briefly uh, to criminal justice reform as being discussed when it comes to the legalization of marijuana, the New York Post today had probably the most ridiculous cover, and this is by New York Post standards, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you can't even imagine how ridiculous some New York uh, Post covers are Believe it or not, not the classiest magazine of all time or newspaper of all time. Or, but, uh, however, it is a fun read. I, I recall one of the more interesting covers of the New York Post was, I believe there was 13 people shot on the Upper West Side here in New York City. And the caption was, West Side Gory. So never, <laughs> never missing a moment to pun. Kim Jong-un, no, no, not that. Uh, Kim, Kim Kardashian, rather. Uh, or Kim Thong-un here, that's what she's being called on the cover of the New York Post. She met with Donald Trump, of course, her husband Kanye West, now a public advocate. Uh, He and Candace Owens, two high-powered African-American figures who are now very loud, boisterous advocates of Donald Trump and his campaign. She met with him at the White House, and the New York Post wasted no time in putting the headline, Trump meets Rump, Uh, you get it, Wait, say it again? Trump meets Rump. Okay, now I got it. You got it, Travis? That's good. Uh, And uh, on the cover again, Kim Thong-un pitches Prez on prison reform. And then on top, the other big-ass summit. So isn't that amazing? (laughs) This is a national publication, and this is the uh, world that we currently live in. This is straight out of Mad Magazine. This is not. This is like if you would tell me that this would be a cover, and it's it's a Mad Magazine or the New York Post. I would bet my life it was Mad Magazine. It seems like a sloppily put together. Like who are the two like pop figures? Okay, Trump, Kim Kardashian. Right. Let's put them into one image, and that'll be funny somehow. Yeah. And then reality made that happen. Yes, and then it actually did happen. So she was at the White House. To discuss, and this is the first time I believe we've mentioned the name Kim Kardashian on this show, and I think the last episode that can't be true. I'm pretty sure it was. I feel like the last time I was on the show, you mentioned Kim Kardashian. I don't know. It's a it's a rare one. It's a rare okay. mention. Perhaps perhaps I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, do a little fact check, and you can go back and listen to past episodes of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, and let me know how many times have I mentioned Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I don't think it's been that many. Three. Three times, we'll say, all right, perhaps three times. So not that many times. Uh, She is there to discuss prison reform. And I must say, uh, if she can get anything done on prison uh, prison reform, good. Like, let's do it. I don't really care if it's Kim Kardashian or a series of activists who have been working their entire lives for prison reform. It just must get done. We cannot continue to have the majority of the nation's prisoners here in this in this country. That's brand is freedom. Of course, the hyper um, racial disparity and the economic disparity of individuals who are arrested. I mean, I was just looking here. Uh, the Harvey Weinstein case, and we're not going to do a deep dive on that. God knows it's absolutely disgusting, and we'll, uh, we'll as a society, watch what happens uh, in that trial. He was given a million-dollar bail. Of course, the man's worth roughly $200 million. Immediately following him was an individual with a very low-level violation who couldn't bail out and was immediately sent to Rikers Island. Bail have to be com- bail, The bail system has to be completely, uh, in my opinion, just eradicated because it is without a doubt treating people uh, with a different level of freedom, and it is unconstitutional on its face. You should not just be able to buy your way uh, out of jail. Anyway, so uh, if she can get anything done when it comes to criminal justice reform, then I suppose I'm all about the meeting of Trump with the rump. Although, uh, uh, you know, it is what it is. Can we uh, back up, actually, to sure. the uh, other Kim Thong? Uh, yes, Kim please. Kim Jong-un. Uh, you know, Kim Jong Un may not be serious about uh, denuclearization, right? But there apparently is sort of a consolation prize he is offering Trump uh, in that he might open a Western burger chain yes. in Pyongyang. That is correct. So they'll keep the nukes, but they'll add the burgers. But what chain will it be? 
You know, I mean, what would you like to see in North Korea? As- if I had to choose what burger place I would like to see, I feel like the Wendy's Square Patty would really blow their <laughs> I, minds. I think- um, you know, I mean, obviously I think they we- might have to start with the Square Patties and then yeah. sort of then go out to the round. So maybe right, that right. is like a training wills. Could be. I would say I would perhaps propose Burger King, but I think Kim Jong Un might be jealous of another king in town <laughs> and, and take that building down. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what if it went to like a Culver's? A butter a butter burger makes a better burger. I really don't know. Maybe what, a Sonic. What if it's a Checkers or? A- <laughs> I hope it is. If it's like the low level, like B out of our B restaurants in general, the B team on the B restaurants, the fast food restaurants. Crystals. It'll be the first uh, burger chain in yeah. in North Korea. Yeah, I'm-, I'm gonna say White Castle and Burger King are out. Those are immediate immediate threats to the throne. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Sonic, Checkers. Obviously, we have our McDonald's, but come on. They, everyone has a McDonald's. Yeah. You want something special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But apparently that's going to be the summit location. Were there to be a summit? It will be at the burger joint. It will be at the burger joint. D- Donald Trump will be like, I can order for both. And Kim Jong-un will dress in like 50s <laughs> gear because he thinks it's like a, a Pulp Well, fiction. a Checkers, he would fit right in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of a 50s vibe of a, of a burger joint. Yeah, snuggle up with the milkshake, and then they'll talk denuclearization. It is interesting, you know, as we talk about on a regular basis here on the show, and we're going to get to Roseanne here in a second. And I also want to play some audio of Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland shooter, because there's a lot to discuss uh, with that audio. Absolutely uh, disgusting, uh, the audio that we're going to play for you here, and it goes to the psyche of a lot of these people who are uh, shooting up schools or concerts, whatever it may be, uh, in the name of fame which uh, I don't think media has helped out whatsoever in creating that idea that if you commit a massacre, uh, such as a Boston Marathon bombing, you will be on the cover of the Rolling Stone without ever having to do uh, any work uh, whatsoever. So we'll get to that in a second. But when it comes to Western culture in North Korea, perhaps the burger, it's the burger of peace. Is it possible the North Korean people uh, realize, again, how bad they've had it for so long once they have their first bite of a Culver's Butter Burger. Who knows? It could be the deprogramming. It might start with the burger. That starts a revolution. It really could. The revolution fueled by the burger. I could see it. Grass-fed beef revolution. Mm. Hey, this is Ben Kissel for Stitch Fix. Style. Some of us have it, some of us don't. But just because a sense of style seems elusive for some doesn't mean it's impossible to attain. There's no time like the present to discover that style you never knew you had. And you can, with a little help from our friends at Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix has reinvented how we find and buy clothes. I mean, this is really amazing. As a person who is, you know, six foot seven, it's difficult for me to buy clothes, but Stitch Fix helps every single time. All you gotta do is answer some basic questions about your sizes, favorite styles, and budget right from your laptop, smartphone, or tablet. Your personal stylist then springs into action, hand-selecting five brand new clothing items just for you. I know, I know, personal stylist sounds like something only the rich and famous can afford, but you can too. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied as a credit toward anything you keep. And since your personal stylist uses only your preferences to pick your clothes, you're still in complete control. Once your items have arrived, try them on and only pay for what you keep. Don't like something? Need another size? Just send the items back, no questions asked. And shipping is always free both ways. Get your fix whenever you want or sign up to receive scheduled shipments. The choice is yours. I love Stitch Fix and I know you will too. Hurry to stitchfix.com slash top hat to get started now. Keep all five items in your box and you'll get 25% off your entire purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash top hat. Stitchfix.com slash top hat. Gosh, now I'm just getting hungry. As always, there's always a point in every episode that I do on every (laughs) single show where I just start fantasizing about food. By the way, Italy, it's no joke. Naples, pizza, I'm going to say this right here, ladies and gentlemen, and I know you're going to be stunned. Better than Papa John's. It's better than Domino's. It's it's better than a stuffed crust, pretzel crust, pizza hut pizza. I kind of thought you would like dig your heels in and say like, oh, well, Papa John's is better than this. 
Well, you but know the ugly is, American thing, but no, you've no, you no, completely you've even, become a gourmand. I, I really have. I can't even look. I we, we were at uh, one of my favorite pizza places here in Brooklyn. Carmine's also a great sports bar. If you want to watch some of the games with me, I might be there on Sunday evening or perhaps on Wednesday night to watch Game Three of the Warriors Cavs. I thought that was the best pizza. I thought that was some of the best <laughs> that, pizza I ever that was had. It. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, pizza's done. And then Naples, I can't even walk past the place right now because I feel like I've been lied to. I really do. I feel like I've been lied to. The pizza was so unbelievable. The food was so great. And the people were incredible. You know, I tried my Italian grazie and bonjour. <laughs> it's good. Ciao. So, you know, I did it. I got the three words, three key words. Anyway, so we'll see what happens in North Korea. You know, it's interesting. I was talking with Eddie and Henry and, and Julie and Natalie and, of course, Brooke as well. You know, people were never – when we talk about these meetings, these summits, what used to be the case was they would announce there's going to be a summit, and then two months later the summit would occur. And now we have a situation with, our, with hyper news, with the Internet 24-7, where everyone is sort of – in the in the room in the decision process and everyone is like every single day that the, there's a mistake or a misstep with the summit everyone sees it in real time it's not that um, uncommon for these things to be you know tumultuous and difficult of course it becomes uh, more scary or, or more unnerving because we have such a novice in Donald Trump who they don't even have a White House communications director for crying out loud I mean this man it is solely at the whim of this extremely fragile individual and when I say fragile I'm mostly uh, talking about his ego here as we saw we'll talk here uh, about uh, Roseanne so that's why people are so uh, scared in this country right now and just so stressed out with Donald Trump. As I mentioned many, many months ago, this is going to be the first presidency where the president doesn't really age, but the population does. Usually there's a before and after, and it looks like the same thing as the mind trick when you look at, like, is it an old woman or is it a young woman? And usually they go in as the young woman and then they come out as the older woman. Donald Trump seems to be getting younger uh, in a strange way, and the American population is aging at a rapid, we, we rapid are, rate. We are the painting in the his attic that is aging. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, but of course, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Again, we have not heard anything from Ma, uh, Robert Mueller when it comes to the Russian collusion scandal. Just quickly here, uh, you know, of course, we have the 13 indictments of the Russians. And then, of course, we have we got Papadopoulos. We got a couple of we got the the uh, four other folks here. All of that stuff isn't really about the collusion. That's all economic ties. Who knows what with with the Kremlin? A lot of illegal uh, illegal activity happening there. And who knows what's going to go on with, with Roger Stone? I guarantee you that man has a lot of skeletons in his closet, and they're probably covered with like brassieres and things like that because he's quite a wild character. Next in to that a collection sense. of like pimp chalices. Yeah, yes, he definitely uh, he's he's definitely a chalice guy. Rhinestoned canes. <laughs> yes, he is. That is that is right in his fashion wheelhouse. He wears a top hat everywhere he goes. It's interesting. It's a fascinating look. He really does want to go for that 1950s Batman villain vibe. And he is crushing it. <laughs> he is Absolutely crushing it. So the collusion, who knows what happens with that? Perhaps that doesn't go all the way up to Donald Trump. Obviously, we have the situation where Donald Trump and some right-wing, uh, more fanatical right-wing folks are talking about how the FBI supposedly infiltrated Donald Trump's campaign. We talked about this on the last episode. It was a Cambridge professor. Hardly to say it, it is not an infiltration. Uh, it was simply not an infiltration into Donald Trump's campaign. That has been debunked. Even uh, Judge Napolitano, oh my God, I was in Italy and Napolitano. <laughs> Look at that. It just rolls right off my tongue now. Uh, he mentioned on Fox News how there's just, it's not an infiltration. Shepard Smith, who I think is an unbelievably reliable uh, news personality, one of those guys on midday uh, on Fox News who is hated by the Fox News audience. They despise this man. So you know He's telling the truth. He was talking about how it's total and utter nonsense, and I think that is that is more of the truth than this notion that the FBI fully impregnated the Trump campaign with a spy to theoretically create the Russian collusion scandal. There were reasons, there were motivations to have something like that. Even Trey Gowdy, the man who was in charge of the Benghazi campaign against Hillary Clinton, that, by the way, went on for four freaking years, and of course I'm not... Uh, our hearts go out to the families of the four individuals that lost their lives in that horrific terror attack. A hell of a lot worse than the press gave it credit for, by the way. They were tortured. It was pretty brutal stuff. Um, and 
the State Department should have protected that more. Of course, it fell at the feet of Hillary Clinton. The four-year Benghazi inquisition that went nowhere speaking of witch hunts it went nowhere it was just a total waste of taxpayer dollars and they used these four individuals um as political pawns to try to disparage malign and derail hillary clinton and of course a lot of that did stick and that was a right-wing talking point for quite a while and still is if they talk about hillary clinton they will bring up benghazi trey gowdy was on the forefront of that out of south carolina a former prosecutor really just a, a, a head that that points right to the sun i mean it's a fascinating head on this guy he has said that there was no infiltration he has said that if there was this one cambridge professor as we talked about previously that's well within the realm of possibility and rationality when it comes to the fbi having informants and things like that really all over the place their their, their hands are in a lot of pots and you can call it whatever you want to call it a deep state or uh just the government doing its job but even Trey Gowdy has said that that is not the largest deal on earth. However, or, or he even said that that was a that, that was a an acceptable thing. His you talk to Trump's followers, however, and they will tell you again that it was the biggest issue in American history. It's the biggest political scandal in American history, and these are also people evidently that believe Vladimir Putin would have been a better president than Barack Obama. So we have to take everything with a massive grain of salt. When it comes to both sides of the media, because there is a lot of confirmation bias and just a lot of uh, lie by omission on all sides. Did, did you know that uh, Trey is his nickname? What's his real name? Harold Watson Gowdy the Third. This Trey. What is his nickname? You are breaking more news on this show <laughs> than I have in five to seven years. <laughs> Trey is his, his name. What's his name again? Harold Watson Gowdy the Third. Harold Watson Gowdy the Third. How the hell do you get Trey? <laughs> exactly. What you can't. He he nicknamed himself. <laughs> he nicknamed himself. He Trey. nicknamed. I like I like things in three. Mm, like Trey. Like you know. Like Trey. Like oh man. What's that like? Um. Who's what's that band that sings Farmhouse? Uh, Farmhouse, the band, uh, you know Farmhouse, Travis, you know Farmhouse. Farmhouse. Buddy, they're huge. It's a jam band. It's rock and roll, bro. Farmhouse. Fish. Fish. Trey. Oh, oh, fish. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. He's searching for the nickname. That's like if I came in, if I like introduced myself to you guys and I was like, I'm Travis, but call me like Skinner. I like that though. You could be a Skinner. Yeah. Or that's sh so Shredder. Funny. I had no idea. Well, there you go. No longer Trey Gowdy. Harold? Harold Watson. Harold Watson. Gowdy. Harold Watson Gowdy, which is a serial killer's name. Yes, it absolutely is. And of course, as a prosecutor in South Carolina, I'm sure he sentenced quite a few people to death uh, that may or may not have been innocent. So who knows if he could live up uh, to the serial killer uh, name by having an actual body count as well. Well, speaking of body counts, I guess let's go to let's go to this Nicholas Cruz uh, tape, this video. And um and then we'll just kind of close it up talking a little bit about Roseanne and I just have a couple of comments on that. So this is the man who shot up Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He killed 17 people. And uh, honestly, I know we, you guys all listened to last podcast on the left, so I shouldn't be like, you know, trigger warning or whatever. Um, but this is really disgusting. It's uh, this is just in a look inside the psyche of an individual who would shoot up a school. My name is Nick. And I'm going to be the next school shooter of 2018. My goal is at least 20 people with an AR-15 and a couple tracer rounds. I think I can do a good done. Location is Stone Douglas in Parkland, Florida. It's going to be a big event. And when you see me on the news, you'll all know who I am. <laughs> You're all going to die. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. So that is a little insight into the mindset of this individual who was able to purchase 10 weapons. I mean, can you imagine this kid who obviously is not right? Uh, you just hear that if you get a chance to see the video, he is just, I mean, Travis, what? how would you describe his, he, he's quirky, he's obviously just not mentally there he has without a doubt some some very deep psychological issues happening how can we live in an, uh, in a country where this 18 year old was able to purchase weapons like an AR15 and someone who was selling him that weapon 
just says, okay. I mean, we used to try to get cigarettes when we were 16 or 17, and it was a damn nightmare. You borderline had to show your passport, let alone trying to buy beer when you were 18. I mean, it was an uphill battle, to say the least. And this man was able to walk into a store and purchase uh, weapons of war with that, with with that personality, with that obvious, transparent, there is something mentally wrong with you or with me. And obviously the the folks who took him in after the passing of both of his parents, I'm not blaming them whatsoever. But my goodness, we as we talked about in the last episode, if they're gonna if you're gonna let him have these guns, you gotta lock these things up. You gotta there has to be an adult in the room. What do you think is I mean, there there's something up there. Yeah, I don't I don't understand whatever happened to just wanting to be like a cobbler. Uh, that's gone now. It, it, yeah. It's there's like a desperate gnawing need uh, for to, fame to come out of your alienation and come out of these like feelings, regular feelings of yeah. I was a teenager and I felt nightmare. Uh, it was a nightmare. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I, the need to like blow your face up on a screen uh, is a new phenomenon. I guess. It is. And you know, you, you go back to the YouTube shooter, that gal, uh, she was just upset that they stopped, I believe advertising on uh, one of her YouTube channels or her main YouTube channel. This idea that fame is somehow a right or that fame is bigger than what it what the actions took to get there. By any means necessary, you want to be on the cover of the New York Post or the Daily News or the Rolling Stone. And that narrative has been going on in media for so long, specifically when it comes to the school shooters, as we've mentioned many, many times, specifically in our Columbine episodes. Uh, go back and listen to those if you haven't in a while, because we really nailed the media coverage was horrible when it first started. Of course, uh, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, initially the media said that they were bullied. They were forced to fight back. It's a bunch of, what I'm going to say, malarkey. And it is a total and utter lie. This trench coat mafia, they were the bullies. Every single student at Columbine said that, yeah, those would be the folks. Those would be the guys who were going to be, who would shoot up the school if anyone shot up the school. The exact same thing at Stoneman, at Stoneman Douglas High School. Everyone said, if when asked who do you think would shoot it up who do you think uh would commit an act uh, of mass murder everyone said yeah nicholas cruz that's the guy we all thought so many red flags here and media has done a great disservice by putting on a pedestal these people who have committed acts that are absolutely devastating to our communities to our families and to our country as a as a whole the most recent again going back to the boston marathon bombing sharnov the way that they treated that young man they treated him like a sex symbol and i think the rolling stone should feel uh should feel absolutely horrible uh, horrible about that i mean they started that kind of trend with uh, with charles manson uh, you know, there's, putting him on the cover. There's clearly like a, a feed la- a feedback loop happening here as well, yes. because in this video, uh, he mentions, "I'm going to be your next." Your next, right? So we have a situation as well where you do have all of these sites, whether it be the Supreme Gentleman, that D bag, all of these sites that glorify these people. If you remember um, uh, James Holmes, the man who shot up the the Dark Knight premiere in Colorado, dressed like the Joker. There is a feedback loop, and there is a sense of, I want to be better than the last guy. And it's serial killers kind of have a similar thing. There was a competition. I believe Ted Bundy, uh, during an interview, was discussing Berkowitz, or was it was it Gacy? This might be the other way around. Nonetheless, they, he kind of exploded uh, at the idea that they were somehow similar. He right. almost basically called him a hack. He's right. like, no, I'm the real deal. That's a hack right there. It's, yeah, these are like it's a, a game within itself. Meta massacres. Meta massacres. It's Absolutely. Because we're, there's there's all this anticipation for that my name will be Everywhere. immortalized. It, yes. And yeah. people are somehow less afraid to die or go to prison to uh, to gain that. Right. Which is almost you know it's, it kind of represents our new globe that we're in, which is terrorists that aren't afraid to die. Mm-hmm. People that feel entitled to fame and are willing to die for it. Right. People are just ready to die. Yeah. And of course, when you're that age, 18 years old, you don't have 
you know, foresight whatsoever. Ever, you don't have an understanding of the long-term ram- ramifications of your actions. Uh, Holmes, again, the guy who shot up the theater, mentally ill, no foresight whatsoever, no understanding of the long-term ramifications of their actions. So in the short term, they're going to get exactly what they want. In the long term, they're going to be forgotten about and rotting in a prison cell, most likely in solitary confinement, because they will be high celebrity cases, uh, which inevitably will make them a target as soon as they go to general population. They will be living in hell. Uh, They will be buried alive in solitary confinement. And uh, I'm assuming at some point they will look in that disgusting, not mirror, that slab of metal uh, that they put above a metal sink where you can kind of see your reflection uh, on the wall and say, what the hell did I do this for? What a dumb mistake I made. Well, by that time, the lives have been lost. The decision has been made. And um, the world's a worse place because of it. Stoneman Douglas, I have to give a lot of credit uh, to the kids and just to the legislative body in general, of course, Scott Brown, being the governor out there, actually passing legislation that I think could deter a future attack such as this, of course, raising the age from 21 uh, uh, to 21 from 18. Because, again, 18-year-olds, being a teenager is a very difficult time in life. And it's the least, it is the worst time ever to have a semi-assault rifle. Do not have one. I I was on the train the other day and I saw this young kid uh, hunched over on a seat watching a 30-minute YouTube video about the secrets within Toy Story. Like uh, <laughs> delving deep. I just watched Toy Story. It's delving, very good. Okay. And I saw a kid with a great Buzz Lightyear in Italy. I was like, wow, that's a But I had fun. this really dark thought where I was like, is this the kind of mind that like this kind of obsessed with uh, online media and like obsessed yeah. with like the minutia of stuff? Is this also the kind of mind that leads like I'm uh, who right. who is going to be the next shooter? Are we and the it's Toy like, Story? Are we the bully in Toy Story? Is the government the bully in Toy Story? Who is trying Sid? To burn us? Who is Woody? I, right. I have no I have no idea what point I'm trying to make. But no, uh, I don't think the video had any idea of what point it was trying to make either. Uh, the the furthest that I will go into investigative journalism when it comes to any animated movie or series is where the dicks because there's always some that is a classic Disney trope is there is always a hidden dick somewhere in that and that's about as deep as we should ever go into conspiratorial thinking when it comes to animated films animators are some of the most perverse disturbed people they have to be they're just constantly having to their art has to be smiling Basically all the time. And if you constantly have to project that you're a wonderful, safe, smiley person for kids or a product for children, on the inside, it's got to drive you insane. The mind who put a baby doll head on top of a robot spider. (laughs) That was awesome. That's a guy who draws dicks, too. Honestly, the kids, the bad guy in uh, in Toy Story, I watched it again on the plane. I have no idea why I chose to watch it. Um, he's pretty fun. Like it's a, it's a it's a hell of a room. But if you, it's Marcus, by the way. That's, it is. It's basically all of us. Be like, how do you do that with that toy? How do you tear them apart and put them together? He could be a great doctor one day. Who knows? Sure. Um, but then, of course, I didn't realize, uh, or Marcus didn't realize that those those toys were alive. Yeah. And that does change it. Yeah, it does. You know, that does that makes him really quite evil. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to play that clip of Nicholas Cruz and talk a little bit about that because it's just so sad and it's just such a uh, it is a, a, a symptom of our current culture of just fame seeking, just only getting any kind of validation for life by how many clicks or how many likes or how many video views. Uh, you have. And I understand that I'm sitting here talking into a microphone, staring at uh, producer Travis in a brick wall. And uh, I understand that that's something that I really uh, aspired for. But there's a difference between uh, when I say like fame or success. Yeah. Well, fame is a, is a side effect of hard work and wanting to engage people. But there's ways to do it. And it takes a hell of a lot more work to actually get success by engaging people, by trying to add something positive to society. It takes a heck of a lot more work uh, to go out there, practice every single day so you can be on the Golden State Warriors or the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and end up playing in the NBA Finals. That's decades and decades of work. Or you can take the short Ugly. Short path and just do one month, and it'll take you. It'll take you thirty-five minutes to kill seventeen kids, and um, and then you can get fame uh, that way. But one has a heck of a lot different outcome than the other. And uh, Nicholas Cruz, I'm sure at some point, will realize the error of his ways. Going back to fame and celebrity, let's just wrap this whole thing up here. How's the episode been so far, Travis? Oh, I've been having a real good time. Okay, good because I just sit here, I talk, I talk, I talk. 
Yeah, me and me and the brick wall, or uh, yeah, and the, and the picture of Marcus looming over. <laughs> yeah. Marcus has a picture looming over where I sit here. I put that up and there as a joke, and Marcus never took it down because <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, it, it makes Marcus look like the Mad TV. Uh, yeah, of course, the smiley Mad TV. Yeah, guy. Well, I forget his name. I, it's an old timey thing. Yes, but uh, look it up, kids. Well, they know. They, I'm sure they're screaming right now, randomly on the subway or in their car, being it's like, like Andrew Newman or something. Yeah, like that. Newman. 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 That's uh, who it is. Hey, this is Ben Gizzle for Quip Toothbrush. The truth is, most of us are brushing our teeth wrong. We don't do it for long enough and forget to change our brush on time. That's because most brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing but not Quip. So what makes Quip so different? For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes, while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. Next, Quip subscription plans for your health, not just convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you take your teeth. And finally, everyone loves Quip. They were on Oprah's O-List named one of Time's best inventions, and is the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists, and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use Quip every day. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash top hat right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash top hat, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash top hat. Going back to celebrity, just to close it out, Roseanne Barr. So the show Roseanne, I thought, um, was doing a fairly good job of representing that slice of America. You know, we have a Trump supporter in Roseanne. Uh, her husband, Dan, played by John Goodman, who I absolutely love, was more of just like, whatever, Roseanne. Then you had her sister, played by Lori Metcalf. Uh, Jackie was uh, was her sister's name in the show. Just, I thought it was a good combination, and the jokes were all there, and it was a good even balanced approach to having the conversation because Roseanne says something crazy and then uh, Jackie says well that's crazy and this is why and most of the time most episodes the joke was on Roseanne and she would try you know you had that cl- classic trope with the with the Muslim neighbors of Roseanne being like they're terrorists and then at the end she had a realization they weren't terrorists and they should be treated with respect and I thought that was that was a good thing because even Trump supporters could watch watch that show and for them that's an important message for them to see go to Twitter um, <laughs> the place where career sabotage it's the what's the name is it Suppuku when uh, when Suppuku when you stab yourself and, and go to the left uh, yes. and, 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 yeah, and murder yourself it, it is the self-sabotage capital of the internet Twitter uh, Roseanne Barr decided to go uh, equate Valerie Jarrett, of course, who worked for the Obama White House, uh, to the Planet of the Apes. I mean, this this racial trope, uh, blacks are apes, this racial trope that is just so unbelievably stupid and incredibly uh, ignorant and just not creative, not funny. There's nothing. I mean, it's just so dumb. She tweets that ABC cancels the show. Immediately. Immediately cancels the show because... Uh, for them, it is just a total PR nightmare. And why? Why would Roseanne go out there and risk everything? Throw it all on the line. W- waste hundreds of writers, by the way. Producers, uh, the the other folks on that show who were finally getting a paycheck after a long time and not acting or working before. Why throw all of that under uh, the bus for a stupid tweet? And it's because she knew she was going to get... 5,000 likes, a couple hundred retweets by this hardcore fanatical Twitter Trump base that does uh, loves trolls. They just love to troll. And that was enough 
of an enticement. That was enough of a carrot for her to say, I'll take the stick because I think this is going to be, this is just going to get a great laugh. Of course, she blamed it on Ambien, which I think is supposed to make you go to bed and not tweet. I don't know. Um, Nonetheless, uh, then she said she was going to get off of Twitter. She did not get off of Twitter. She kind of doubled down. It is just uh, disheartening and sad to see someone just throw away so much work in a second. And we have to remember that. The power of these social media platforms is very real. Don't fall down that trap. You know, don't fall down the trap of just trying to do something that, uh, you know, might might placate a certain group of people, might make you feel good momentarily. I'm sure when she hit... Uh, send on that tweet she did not realize the firestorm it was about to start that was a when you throw your cigarette out the window when you're driving down the los angeles highway and that happens to be the cigarette that begins a forest fire hundreds of people millions of people thousands of people throw their cigarette butts out the window every single week every single day every single month and don't start a fire but nonetheless uh, it did abc canceled the show a lot of people on the right saying it's a violation of the, her first amendment rights but of course you also have those same people saying that corporations are people corporations also have rights and that is also uh, the reality that we live in so abc had every single right to cancel roseanne because of her own stupid freaking tweet that did not need to ever exist it just did not need to exist we also had the situation where the right was now, they're calling for, because of this hyper-tribalism, this hyper-tribal society we live in now, they're calling for the head of Bill Maher because he has <laughs> said the N-word, all these things. They're like, well, then we need, we need a left-wing head, too. We need, we need a left-wing trophy, uh, which, by the way— Who the fucking left, cares? Just take who, him. <laughs> yeah, that's, the funniest thing is the right was like, then we're going after Bill Maher. And every like, hardcore liberal was like, yeah, go for get, it. get him. Go. <laughs> we're, we're all, all about it. Um, of course, I don't think Bill Maher's ratings were quite as high as Roseanne's, but that to me was just such a weird reaction to ABC firing Roseanne. The, then the right just saying, oh, we'll get ours, then we will go and get our trophy as well. People get fired all the time. Bill Maher was fired from Politically Incorrect. Uh, people get canned constantly, some for political reasons perhaps, others just because the, the networks want to make a, a, a change. Who knows why uh, certain shows get canceled? Uh, or why people are fired. In this case, it's just a total, um, just a, a complete blunder on Roseanne's part, and that's the that's the ramifications of her actions. The whole point of the show was to bring people together, and then you have someone tweeting, you have the main star of the show tweeting, which doesn't help that she carries the same name as the star of the show. Usually it's like, oh, they're playing a character on the show, but this one, Roseanne is a little bit more intertwined to the real person and the, and the character oh, on the yeah. show. Uh, than most television se series. So well, it really did reflect on the show as well. It's extremely messed up that hundreds of people lost their job because she was a moron. Yes. And I, I mean, I, it, and it's a wasted opportunity in my mind yeah. to uh, not parlay that production into a dinosaur's reboot and just oh, man, slap yeah. a, a dinosaur tail onto John Goodman. Oh, yes. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. And then, of course, Donald Trump, the man who called Roseanne after the premiere to, uh, to congratulate her on the great ratings. And the, the ratings were great. He then uh, took to Twitter to yell at, uh, at Iger, of course, the head there, about how people have said horrible things about him and how come they're not fired, whether it be Jimmy Kimmel or all of these things. And, uh, you know, we just the president needs to get out of the weeds when it comes to these really low level issues that are affecting our country when you are the president of the united states why he continues to pick celebrity feuds or why he continues to pick uh fights with ceos is beyond me especially again on the heels of him sending out that tweet saying that he is going to focus on north korea which lasted exactly two hours and then he was just as unfocused as before and let's not forget here if donald trump was the head of a of a company if he was the ceo of a company Given some of the rhetoric, given some of the words that he has said, he would most likely be fired. Uh, but naturally, as president of the United States, uh, he will stay there uh, for the foreseeable future. So when it comes to Roseanne, I just think it was a lost opportunity. It was unfortunate. And it's not a violation of her First Amendment. She's not being locked up. She's not going to prison. Um, nor, and nor should she be. I mean, this, you do have a right. Um, of course, Twitter is also a private platform. Uh, so if they want to kick her off of Twitter, as the as if the Twitter CEOs of Jack wants to 
kick her off. They're also a private company, um, so they can do that. It's not there's no constitutional right to a Twitter. That's uh, crazy hubris, though, <laughs> to call George Soros a Nazi and call this uh, Obama's aide an ape. Yeah, you're on a Family Network sitcom. I know, I know. It's just, it's just it's beyond it's beyond, and I just don't know. Why, why, why do it? Why commit career suicide? Maybe it's uh, subconscious, and perhaps, uh, perhaps this was the conclusion that she had wanted uh, all along. Evidently, the beginning of the the end of the original Roseanne and the end of the reboot Roseanne both end with her typing. So uh, perhaps this was a uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm a, gonna take... a, a subconscious conclusion that came to uh, that came to manifest itself in reality. I'm gonna start an alternate. Twitter account and take an Ambien and see if I go crazy. Just see if you go nuts. Go buck wild and get get bored. Yeah. So yes, we have to remember the power. And you know, Twitter. This is why, honestly, social media is why I ended up getting on Wellbutrin because it was just stretch stressing me out so much. You know, just all everything because I consume. I'm just a very visual consumer. And um, I just absorb a lot of what I see. And there's just so much negativity on there. It was really starting you, to bum me out. You really like take it in the vein like i do everything i see i just like feel it and then but it helps with memory um but that's why i'm a i'm an audio and visual learner um and uh, obviously you learn through reading as well but i usually like to read out loud to myself so then i can hear myself say it and then i learn it through my ear too not just my brain and my eyes little insight ladies and gentlemen <laughs> little insight um anyway all right. I think we covered the majority. I apologize if I missed something this week. We were gone again in Italy. I, I missed a lot, I'm sure. Um, and I missed being here in the States following uh, following the news. So the big thing is this obstruction case. Who knows what's going to happen with that? That seems to be where the pivot's going. Mueller hasn't said a dang thing. Uh, when it comes to the spy thing, don't even bother with it because it, it's not true. Um, it, you know, it is what it is. We can get into the conversation, a larger conversation about uh, government overreach, about the CIA, about uh, secret programs, about the NSA. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to be hashed out there. It's just unfortunate that all the uh, attention to that conversation is being channeled uh, with Donald Trump. Also want to point out, speaking of social media, Obama was horrible on immigration. I just want to point that out. There was a picture from 2014 that circulated of a bunch of uh, immigrants in, in prison. Uh, they're in prison camps. Uh, that's exactly where they are. And everyone said, oh, my God, it's Donald Trump's America. Look at this. That happened in 2014 under Barack Obama. And uh, it was everywhere, and it was spreading like wildfire, and then it, was, it came out that it was Obama. And obviously, he's not in the White House, I understand, but it immediately evaporated. Obama was horrible on immigration. We've had horrible policies on immigration for many, many presidents. You could almost argue W attempted to be more reasonable on immigration, but obviously that got completely blown away because he had to focus on foreign policy and every single blunder that was possible to make in the Middle East. There's a uh, there's a big old hot take joke on the first episode of the new season of Arrested Development about that, Ooh. actually. Uh, the Bluth family is talking to, to some Mexican migrants, and uh, the Mexican migrants are like, your president did this to us. They kicked us out of our own, our, our own country. Yeah. And uh, they're like, oh, sorry about Trump. And they're like, Trump, we're talking about Obama. Oh, yes. We have to stop. Everyone has a sacred cow. you got to gore all of them because yeah. everyone's complicit, specifically when it comes to immigration uh, in the issues that we're seeing now. Obviously, Donald Trump um, amping it up a little bit when it comes to uh, when it comes to deporting people who are not criminals. Not all of them are members of the MS-13 gang. He is splitting up a lot of families. But let's not forget uh, past administrations have done a very similar thing, not making it right. Uh, it is just as wrong, and it needs to be completely we – need, we need complete immigration overhaul politically, almost impossible to get anything done on a national level. And, of course, as we see with states that do attempt sanctuary city status or whatever it might be, uh, the federal government – it being a federal issue uh, does have a lot of – legal rights and legal wiggle room to go in there and try to uh, overchange or overturn uh, those states, um, those state laws. Whew, immigration. That's a whole nother thing. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you had a wonderful week. And I missed you all. So we're back here. We're going to be in San Francisco this Friday. We're going to do Cluster Fest, which uh, I guess it should be fun. It's a comedy festival. It technically is. It's a comedy festival, so I, I guess I, I'm going to hang out you're, there Saturday. You're there with John Stewart. Is John Stewart there? Uh, the Dixie Chicks. Oh, are the Dixie Chicks there? Uh, no, I don't think they are. There. I think what band? Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind is there. No, right. Third Eye Blind. They they did sing Jumper, right? That's right. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so I'm going to rock out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to Third Eye Blind. So I'll see you at the Third Eye Blind concert. 
Um, probably won't see you at any of the comedy tents. I, I don't know what to do. You know, you just stand there and, and watch people talk. Um, anyway, all right, everyone, hail yourselves. I, I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for giving to our Patreon and all that stuff. Without you, again, none of this stuff is possible. So uh, email me at uh, the last podcast network at gmail.com with your thoughts. And uh, oh, also, quickly, Dodd Frank. Uh, the Fed wants to re- pull, uh, re- uh, peel it back. Uh, 2010, Dodd-Frank was put in place after the 2008 economic collapse. Uh, the banks have said they're going to be on their best behavior and not, uh, and not lend to folks who won't be able to pay it back. Uh, that's what happened. And then, of course, the bubble created. You get rid of Dodd-Frank. It's very possible you just began the bubble process all over again. But that will be a conversation that we'll talk about more if it ends up going through. Right now, that's just a proposal. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Talk to you soon. Shout out to uh, all my homies in uh, MS-13. Oh, are uh, you a member uh, now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peanut and Reptile. Uh-huh. Uh, sh- just a big shout out to MS-13. Maybe that's why people kept uh, keep on trying to kill you, whether it be with gun <laughs> or truck. Good. Just don't walk in front of that deli anymore. Good God. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.